Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome back, and thanks for listening to WKRAP San Diego. This is Love Me, Leave Me from Bitstream Dream. <clears throat> well, not really, but I'm going to talk about that at the end of this show, so stay tuned. For right now, this is the Falcon Twin Podcast. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 283 to 292. But before I start the show... I was interviewed last week by fellow webcomic author Sherry Girl, who just started her own podcast at podcast.sherrygirl.net, so go check that out, because I talk about all sorts of interesting things that you will surely want to listen to if you listen to this podcast. On with the show, page 283. I wish this would happen to me once in a while. Well, I do wish this would happen to me once in a while. A hot blonde chick walks in and fucks my brains out? Yeah, that would be nice. As a matter of fact, if you're a hot blonde chick, then by all means, come to my place unannounced and fuck me senseless. I promise that I won't object. Anyway, this is the first page in this dream sequence with Mika and Tresca doing their lesbian thing. The colors in this page are a little bit more blue than most of the rest of the scene. I think part of that was because I decided it was a little bit too cold in this page, and so I wanted to warm it up for the later pages in the sequence. Ultimately, I actually kind of like the way the colors looked in this page a little bit better. Especially Tresca in panel 3 looks kind of nice, the, the way that her shirt is completely blown out by the light. I think that looks pretty good. So this whole scene was basically kind of a filler scene in a way. I mean, I needed a gap between the previous scene and the next scene. And I've done this once or twice before, and I've mentioned that in those podcasts, where basically it wouldn't make sense for me to just lose consciousness and then wake right back up again. I also needed something to make the readers wonder a little bit what was going to happen, even though I think that everyone pretty much knew that Mika wasn't going to die because you see her not dead in the prologue. But at the same time, I still wanted to leave a little bit of that question dangling about what exactly was going to happen. And so I put this scene in here. And another thing is to just sort of hammer home the whole lesbian thing, just for the slow people in the audience who didn't get it, which you have to be kind of monumentally retarded to not understand that. But I'm sure there are a few people out there who didn't really get it until this scene. Another thing about this scene is it also establishes that Mika's feelings for Tresca are not just emotional, but they're also physical. She's also sexually attracted to Tresca, not just, you know, romantically as a very close friend or something. So in marches Tresca and grabs Mika, and we get to see boobies, which always brings a little bit of a spike in the traffic to the site. And Mika wakes up in sort of a, a room. This is kind of similar to a room that you would probably see in Near Mara. I think her mind is kind of constructing a room based on rooms that she's been in in the last you know couple of days. Uh, but this isn't the specific room that she wakes up in, as you'll see in a few pages. So Tresco walks in, embraces Mika, page 284. Intimacy. A couple of these titles in this sequence were less than inspired. And, you know, like I've said before, when in doubt, go for the pun. And it's sometimes it's kind of hard for me to go for the pun. So, anyways, Tresca feeling Mika up, sliding her hands down to, you know, start fondling Mika. Not really much to say about this. Their bodies look a little bit weird, but I guess they always do. Fairly decent looking hand underneath Mika's panties. Oh, and another thing about the panties is that you'll notice that Tresca's has a little green bow on the front of it, and Mika's has a little red, because those are kind of their colors. Mika's is red, and, and Tresca is green. There was one page in which I think I forgot to color one of them, and it was just an accident. It was just an oversight on my part, and someone was reading into it in the forum saying, does that mean that this person changed characters? No, it was just oversight on my part. I think I may have gone back and fixed it, because I just went looking for it when I was reviewing the pages before I started the show, and I couldn't find it, so maybe I fixed it. Page 285, climax. Well, it's, it's a climax. I think I went a little bit over the top on the sweat on Mika's body, because I mean, she's really just sweating up a storm. 
and also some of the details are particularly excessive on panel two and also to some extent on panel three it's a little bit gross but you know Mika's having a good time anyway so there's at least that much you also notice there's a fun little continuity error here which I'm shocked that no one noticed if you see in panel one of this page Tresca's getting Mika off with her right hand but if you look at panel two it's a left hand there because the pinky is closer to the viewer than the index finger is which would indicate that Tresca's using her left hand but in panel one and panel three she's clearly using her right arm and her left hand is underneath Mika's head so that was a, a little error that I made and after I had shaded the whole thing and colored it and just about to post it and I realized ah shit anyway Mika gets her cookie I guess that's what it's called when someone else gives you an orgasm I wouldn't know and Tresca gives her a little kiss as she falls back. Mika looks a little bit delirious in the last panel, which wasn't really the idea. She's just kind of happily smiling. Page 286, way to ruin the mood. And so, obviously, Tresca is going to get her cookie now, I suppose. And the second panel was kind of weird. I just wanted to establish that nothing was happening, that Mika was supposed to be diddling Tresca, and she was not doing so. But it's still sort of a strange shot. You just see this pair of legs and, and some panties, and... It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then Tresca looks at Mika, irritated, and we get to see Mika with her arm missing entirely, which is the kind of fun thing that can happen in dreams, that you can get maimed in all kinds of terrible ways and not notice it until something causes you to, to take note of it, other than the searing pain, which Mika doesn't really start to feel until the second to last panel, and then turns around. I also made Tresca look particularly doe-eyed in the final panel when she's looking out towards Sydney, who doesn't get revealed until the next page page 287. Abandonment, another uninspired title. Another thing to notice here on this page is that the background is starting to take on a similar sort of flame thing to what I did in the chapter 4 opening, where, you know, Mika is cuddling with Tresca, and then Tresca turns into Yumiko, and you start to see these sort of flame-like things appear in the background. Same thing is going on here, just to tie the two sequences together. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that happens, at least in Mika's dreams, when bad stuff starts to happen as it starts to become kind of like a hell-like place. So there's Sydney standing there in Mika's clothes, just smashing home one of the main points of the story. Anyway, Sydney beckons Tresca on. I forget, I should have looked over the script before I checked this, but I think originally I was going to have Sydney slash Mika's throat on this page and decided to have Tresca do it instead because it was obviously going to be more painful to Mika emotionally to be rejected by Tresca than to just be, you know, just have Sydney kill her, which is something that Mika would kind of expect. So Sydney takes Mika's girl and goes off while Mika sort of chokes to death on her own blood. And I also like Sydney, who's got two things about Sydney that are sort of interesting, is that in the final panel, one, she's still carrying Mika's arm with her. You know, you wonder what exactly she needs it for, because you'd think it'd be kind of useless. And then two, she's also got her hand on Tresca's ass, which is a nice, none-too-subtle thing going on there. Page 288, Suspicion, the Exposition, Extravaganza. Originally, this entire scene here in the hotel when Mika wakes up was going to be different. I was going to have the whole ending of Near Mara kind of play out a little bit differently. Mika was going to wake up, be alone in the room. She was going to overhear this kind of conversation and a little bit more suspicion on the part of everyone. And she was going to get up, storm out into the hallway. All the others were going to realize that they had been overheard by Mika they were going to try to patch things up, but Mika was just going to storm out. Then she was going to go walk around near Marat and end up on a bluff and probably have a confrontation with Sydney. But a couple of things changed that. First of all, I sort of felt like there wasn't any need to, to linger on in near Marat. 
also that Sydney had just you know had two fights with Mika, so there was no need to bring her back right away. Also, I ended up injuring Mika more in the previous scene in the police station than I expected, and so in that context, it didn't make a lot of sense for her to just get up and walk out and get into another fight with Sydney. So I decided instead to have this entire little bit of exposition go by very quickly in this sort of blackout period while Mika's still sort of regaining consciousness and not really clear on what's going on. If you read the dialogue, hopefully it should be pretty clear on who's exactly saying what. Annika's very suspicious of Mika and Tresca's kind of backing her up. And then there's this third person who's trying to calm them down, which is obviously Evan, who ends up finally waking Mika up in the end when he loses his temper at the two of them. And Tresca almost gives away her little secret in the fourth panel, but then covers it up. And so then then when you get the final reveal on the last panel, you can see exactly who everyone was who was talking, and everyone sort of got their own expressions to indicate their roles in that argument. Page 289. Rise from your bed. So anyways, Mika's still kind of coming too, and Tresca explains basically what happened. Mika realizes that she owes Tresca double now, or triple or quadruple or quintuple or whatever she's up to at this rate. As Mika starts to remember what exactly happened, she remembers the police officer and asks about it naturally, and we start to get the inkling of what happened. And Evan says that they're dead, Mika, Sydney killed them, but it isn't until the next page, page 290, that we realize what exactly happened to the police and sort of the extent. And I think I mentioned this in a prior podcast one or two back, that by making Sydney do all these amazing things and then equating Mika to Sydney, I can sort of by extension have Mika do amazing things or kind of ascribe the level of power that Sydney has to Mika too. And this is another instance of it where Sydney basically goes on this total rampage and kills a lot of the police officers. Having gotten the list of where they live from the police station after she killed everyone in there, she probably just rifled through the desk, found the list of employees and went and killed them all one by one and wiped out their families too because that's how she rolls. And so in this it also explains two in this little bit of dialogue with Mika and Evan in the last two panels, the relationship between Sydney and the Durad. She works for them, but she doesn't really take them too seriously. And if she feels like doing something on her own, even if it's going to cause problems with the Durad, she's going to go ahead and do it anyway. And, you know, they don't really have much choice about it if they want to keep her on the payroll. And also, too, I, this also ties in, actually, with one of the other earlier podcasts I did where I explained how the different sort of groups, the church and the police and all the city-states relate. Evan says that the church is going to be taking over the duties of the police officers because, uh, you know, there's sort of that informal arrangement that they can pick up some of those duties and, and pick up a little bit of responsibility when, you know, the local police force isn't able to do it. Page 291. Okay. Uh, what? You, you said clear. Yes, I know that. A pressure clear. So Mika asks what they do now, and, and there's a little visual thing between Annika and Tresca, which isn't really articulated in dialogue. It's, it's subtle. I don't know if anyone picked up on it. Annika is scowling at Mika and Tresca in the second panel, partly because she's just still kind of angry at Tresca for the little argument, and also because she's not fully buying Mika's I-don't-know-what's-going-on bit. She thinks that Mika's probably hiding something, as she said a couple of pages back. And so she's scowling at the two of them, and then Tresca's scowling back while Mika and Evan are actually talking to each other. And so now they have a lead on where to go next to find Breas and Prath, and Mika's realized something about having gotten that information, which is explained in page 292. 
just like Rip Van fucking Winkle. I don't know what that was a reference to. I think that was something that I was trying to make reference to a Kevin Smith film, but I don't think there's anything like that. I think I'm even making reference to just like Winnie the Pooh or something in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. But as far as I know, they didn't ever mention Rip Van Winkle in any of the films. So Mika asks about the whole taking a couple of days to find out where Bray Semperath was, and Evan is kind of at a loss for words until Tresca comes in and explains it. And this, again, ties into the whole thing where I didn't really want to have Mika just jumping right up and running around, having been out for three days, recovering her from her injuries. That being the case, I said, you know, it would be better off to just kind of get out of the near Marat thing quickly, because it really kind of achieved its purpose, and there was no need to dwell on it. And Mika has difficulty coming to terms with the fact that she's been out for a couple of days at the last panel of page 292. Last order of business for today, the first Falcon Twin contest. The Pick the Falcon Twin intro music contest. Now, I don't know jack about music, and I don't plan to learn, but I want really cool podcast music like some of the other podcasts I listen to. So, here's your opportunity to get involved. Find me some good intro music. But here's the catch. It has to be royalty-free, and I have to be able to use it legally. So if you can find something at podshow, music.podshow.com, that's fine. If you can find it at some other source that has a well-documented policy about legal uses, that's fine. But I'm not violating copyright just to play some dumb music. What do you win? Absolutely fucking nothing, except bragging rights. I'll probably mention you on the show, and you can talk to other people about how great you are because you picked out music. But I'm not really a person who listens to a lot of music. I don't get exposed to a lot of music. I don't even know what all the genres mean when I'm looking through podshow.com, except that most of them aren't of any interest to me. Although, you know, you'll probably have to come up with something pretty good, because I'm starting to really like the Love Me, Leave Me intro music that I played at the beginning of this podcast on this particularly cloudy San Diego night. It seems quite nice. And and having listened to it a few times, it seems to me like it would make a great piece of music to run during the credits roll of a Falcon Twin movie or something. I'd have to rework the intro, but I could totally see it with, you know, Mika having killed a whole bunch of innocent people and then laughing maniacally as the camera pulls up to reveal the extent of all the people she's killed and then boom, cut to the credits and then have that first, you know, two minutes or so of the particular music playing while you roll the cast and everything. That would be cool. So, uh, I'm going to play an example of some intro music that I think is really good. This is from the Ruby on Rails podcast. building a religion we are building it bigger we are widening the corridors and adding more lanes we are building a religion a limited edition we are now accepting callers for these pendant keychains the resistance is useless this is the ruby on rails podcast i'm jeffrey grossenbach have two more interviews for you from now why do i think this music is good first of all it's nice to listen to it's a very fun piece of music that's you know it sounds good It's also kind of funny, the lyrics, in a sort of fight club, sarcastic, uh, cynical way. And it's also thematic, too, because it ties into the whole religious thing of Ruby on Rails. A lot of the people using Ruby on Rails tend to take it very seriously. And, you know, if you have ever been in programming at all, you know about the religious wars that go on. And it's the same thing with Rails. People who use it love it, and it's kind of like religion to them. And so that's why the whole we're building a religion theme music is thematically appropriate for that. So if you can find something like that for Falcon Twin that works, awesome. And if not, well, then you're just stuck with whatever I find, and it's probably not going to be very good. When I was looking through the pod show 
music stuff, the, the genres that seemed to be any good were down tempo, which is where the Love Me, Leave Me song came from, and also rock, which is sort of what the Ruby on Rails one is. I looked in the techno and trance and the electronica and punk and metal and was not too impressed with any of them, but if you find something good that sounds appropriate for the Falcon Twin podcast, then by all means, send me a link. Speaking of the pod show music, some of the music provided tonight was from the pod show Podsafe Music Network, which you can check out at music.podshow.com. So there.